welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in all barriers. Um, It seems like as I peruse not your lives, but our lives, that many of us over the last few years have been clogged with barriers. And I just had this sense, particularly before the year started, and particularly when we went through our month of solemn assembly, that God was about to break some barriers in our lives. Oh, ain't no faith in the room yet. I got this sense. I I just believe. I don't know. I'm just going to step out there on him. I'm believing that God, y'all know I don't talk like this much, but I'm believing that this year is going to be like, unlike any other year that you've ever experienced. I'm, I'm joining you in faith today that God is about to give you some things and God is about to break through in your life. And y'all know I don't usually talk like this unless I hear him talking. I hear him speaking over you right now. And this year is about to be different. This year about to hit different for some people in the room. You've been crying. You've been waiting. And you've been in pain. But I'm speaking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ based on the word of God. There's some stuff is about to push through in your life. It's time. It's time. It's time that you get a breakthrough. And so, we come to a passage where God told his people it's time. They were under the divine spanking. God gave them 77 lashes for 77 years for not listening to him. You know, I like uh, the way God talks to us. He uh, talked to him. He, he didn't talk like our parents talked to us uh, when, 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 we, when, when we got a whooping, um, when you got a whooping, your parents paused in between each hit. You better not do, as I know some of y'all can't, like, y'all don't know what's going on, because you got the corner, you know, timeout, you know, punishment, um, not getting your allowance, like, first off, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> um, um, some of us just got whooped. You feel me? It's got tore up from the floor up, and it worked. And and and, and um, um, but but God speaks to His people differently. God at least give you hope. Just imagine getting a spanking with hope. That's that's what's happening in this text. He gives them a. He's still whipping them, but he's giving them hope because he knows how fragile we are, and that we can take his discipline for hatred. We can take his rebuke and reprimand for dismissal. But God loves us enough to let us know that it's about to be over. That's what I came to tell you today. It's about to be over. And so as Ezekiel, who some believe was influenced deeply by the ministry of Jeremiah, influenced in a way because he was a priest in Israel, and so some of the priests, many of the priests or the priesthood that got rebuked, Ezekiel might have been among that number. They, they overlapped just a little bit. And so he would have heard those prophetic warnings 
as a rebuke. And so as he heard those prophetic warnings as a rebuke, he trusted the Lord and was transformed. And he was not only a priest, but he became a prophet of the Lord. And as he's writing, the children of Israel are in captivity. And as they are in captivity, now what we see here is that, is that, is that God has given Ezekiel a vision concerning it, which brings me to my one and only point. If you're going to be on a journey to being raised, I, this, I'm sorry how simple this is. Forgive me. I got one point. God specializes in raising dead things. That's, that's, all, that's, all, I, that's all I got to say. I, I, I may have used the point before, but it, it's so simple. If it's dead, he can raise it. All right, let, let, let's, 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 look. let's look at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me. Oh, let's stop there. Uh, something, the hand of the Lord is a beautiful phrase. The hand of the Lord in the Bible just means uh, is, is, is the Lord is, uh, the hand of the Lord is the divine power and push of God on your life to get something done. It is the divine power and divine push to get something done. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 6, it says, The king had granted him everything he requested because the hand of the Lord his God was on him. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 28, same chapter, verse 28, it says, So I took courage because I was strengthened by the hand of the Lord my God. So the hand of the Lord is the divine power. Somebody say power. power. And push. It's the power push to get things done. Now, 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 it, now, now, since this chapter began with him saying God's hand is on him, let's look at what God's hand is on him for. It says, he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of a valley. Now, I don't know about you, but if God's hand is on me, I'm looking for a come up. I mean, take me to down, down, take me to the Comcast Center, top floor, uh, uh, um, penthouse suite, you know, um, corner, uh, look, take me somewhere, fly, private jets, you feel me? Uh, the nice part of King of Prussia Mall, shopping, you feel me? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, it's, oh, it's about, it's finna be lit. <laughs> Jeremiah got touched and he was, oh, God's hand is on me. But instead of taking him to a tower, he took him to a valley. Now, I don't know if you know this, but no matter where you are, it's possible that in your lowest place for God's hand to actually be upon you. Somebody's in a valley today. And I came to tell you, you're in a low valley. You think you're alone. But I came to tell you today on this Resurrection Sunday that God's hand is on you. It's, his hand is on you. His, his hand is on you. Well, why, 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 you don't know what a valley is? A valley in the Bible exegetically just means a North Philly alley. At night. So you can fill it. In an alley, in North Philly, by yourself, at night, God's hand is on you. I don't know what alley you're in right now. I don't know.
know what smelly dog place you're in right now, but I came to tell you his hand is on you. Not only was God's hand on him to take him to a low place, it's full of bones. Y'all didn't get that. God wakes you up at night, takes you to an alley with his hand on you, guiding you. Not only is it dark, not only are you physically by yourself, but him with you spiritually. But now it's dead bodies that have decomposed down to the bones. I don't know about you, but I pretty much don't want to be there. But when God's hand is on you in a dark place, you need to rise above the confusion of the condition of where he's taking you. And you got to allow yourself to say, God, if you took me to this place, if you took me to this dark place, if you guided me here, then oh, I know that you're with me. And somehow in this valley, you're going to help it to make sense. Help it make sense, God. He said it was full of bones. And why would he emphasize it being full of bones? Uh, because he's a priest. A priest wasn't supposed to be around dead bodies. So, 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 so God, God must be up to something if he's going to put a priest around something that can make him unclean. But little did Ezekiel know that those bones weren't just other people. Later on, it says, this bones are, is the full household of Israel. Meaning, Ezekiel, you're in there too. Can you imagine God taking you to look at not just your dead body, but your bones? But you have to understand what bones represent. Spiritual depletion. These bones here... These dry bones, it'll say later, points to the void of spiritual connection. Because of what Israel did, their spiritual connection with God was deeply challenged, and they needed absolute, unadulterated spiritual renewal. He God said, I want to renew everything in your life, but I especially want to renew you. Because I can't give you new stuff without you being new, or you'll end back in back in the same place over again. And so what I have to do before I bless you, before I do it the way I want to do it, the way I'm finna come through on your behalf, I got to change some stuff in your spirit. I got to change some stuff in your soul. So you're going to need transformation before things around you get transformed. And so he said he led me all around them. Can you imagine God just walking you through dead bodies? And he says, there were a great many of them on the surface of the valley. And they were very dry, devoid of life. Here we go. Verse 3. He says, then he said, God, son of man, son of man, can these bones live? Now, you know, when God asks you a question, you don't really know how to answer. You're like, you're kind of calculating. Like if I say no, I ain't got no faith. If I say yes, then what is he going to do? Because we in the valley with dead bodies. 
they, I don't know what's going to happen here. So, 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 so I, I, like, I, like, I like his answer. I like, I like his answer. You know. <laughs> he yeah, gave, that's, that's, that's a perfect answer. But really, this is a picture of somebody say, well, where, 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 what does this have to do with Jesus? Everything. Everything. Because Jesus had the valley of dry bones constantly in his mind as he was doing his ministry. Okay, you think I'm lying. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Where do you think he's getting it from? How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time? Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus is like, my man Nick is like, how can these things be? And Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know what I'm saying? In other words, they didn't have a New Testament. So he should have known based on Ezekiel 36 that God would give them renewal and Ezekiel 37 that he would give them renewal. But know what I like most about the rendition of this questioning in chapter 37 here? is that this is the only time that Ezekiel used his own words. Why is that important? Because when God's talking to you in the valley, you don't need to talk that much. See, some of us get in the valley and we run our mouths. When you get in the valley, shut your mouth, only answer a question when you're asked by God. Otherwise, shut up and let him talk to you. And t Know what I like about Ezekiel? Only thing he said was what God told him to repeat. You're going to see it in a second. Because he knew that in the valley, his words ain't have no power. And so he, he, he only asked a question, answered a question when he was asked a question. So he said, Lord, you know. And then verse 4, he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, say to the bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hold on. So we're, in the, we're in the alley. Dead bodies consumed down to the bones. And now he's supposed to chant this over and over again by faith. He didn't just say it once because you're going to see later he's going to say, while I was prophesying. Meaning that he kept saying it, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. I wonder, is there anybody in a valley right now? And you see some dead stuff that you don't believe could ever come alive again. But God has you in the middle of the valley saying, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. It's not that the dry bones need to hear the word only. You, the one speaking the word of the Lord, need to hear the word of the Lord for yourself. I've been in some dry seasons. 
in my life where I felt like giving up, where I wanted to walk out the alley back to the main street. Have you ever been there where you know God has you and you're handcuffed to his will because you love him and you said, God, I know I'm in your will, but I don't like being here right now. But if you say stay here, God is speaking to somebody right now, telling you, don't you run. You stay where you are, where it's hard, because he's finna on you. This ain't, no, 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 let's not get it twisted. This ain't no manifesting. This ain't no self-fulfilled prophecy and declarations, morning declarations and affirmations, just some made-up dreams that you believe in your own power that you can bring to pass. Tell me, I'm stepping out on faith. Don't ever step out on faith. Because faith has to have an object to work. That's like telling your key, hey, we're going to unlock the door and just look at it. No, you got to put the key in the door and turn it. You don't step out on faith. Because if you have your faith in your faith, your faith doesn't have any power. But if you have faith in the object of your faith, the God of heaven, then the key can turn. I wish I had some help in here today. So you better stop listening to these fools telling you declarations and I declare and decree. No, he can only, we can only declare what God has already decreed. Oh, you don't think I'm in the Bible. Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, listen, will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will already be loose. In other words, when, when, when you're binding and loosing, you're only announcing what God has already done in heaven. And so you don't make anything happen with your mouth. And you use that false verse, the power of life and death are in the tongue, and they that eat it bear its fruit. That's talking about relationships, not spiritual power. You cannot speak anything into existence ex nicolo, meaning out of nothing. There's only one who can speak in the darkness and say light come into existence. And light says move out of the way darkness. God said come into existence. There's only one that can say let there be water. There's only one that can say let the dirt separate from the mat. There's only one that can do it. But every now and then He'll already do it and put the word in your mouth to get it done. Look at verse 5. He says, this is what the Lord says. To these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. Why does it need breath? Because they were spiritually suffocating. What were they spiritually suffocating from? Stuff like us, bitterness. Hopelessness, trauma, pain, depression, and confusion. But he went from saying, dry bones, live to breathe. And God wants you to breathe in every area of your life. 
He wants the Spirit's power and presence in every area. He wants it in your spirit. He wants it in your soul. He wants it in your heart. He wants it in your mind. He wants it in your home. He wants it in your family. He wants it in your marriage. He wants it in your relationships. He wants it in your health. He wants it in every single thing in your life. Verse 6. This, one, this verse is interesting. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you can come to life. What in the world does this mean? Now, whenever God, like, God is God. So he can just say, get up. And they just go, boom. But whenever God does something in a particular way, he's trying to say something. One of the things, he, he, he could have put the skin on first, but he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to put the bone, I'm going to let the bone, tendons, everything. I'm going to go inside out from the muscular system to the circulatory system, to the skin, to the epidermis, all of that. I'm going to put it all back together. But guess what he's saying? God does this for a reason. And the reason why he does it is because God wants everything put back in order correctly. He said, I'm bringing order back to your life. Number two, he wants to do it from the inside out. Notice he started what was next to the bones first. He wanted the inside out to be done. God is tired of us having half-hearted lives. He wants our lives changed from the inside out. David says, you want truth in my inward parts. And so he wants truth in you and I, and he wants to reconfigure you. But also, it's funny that he puts the tendons on the bones first. Why? Because it would create stability. <laughs> what is God doing in the valley? He's putting you back together. Oh, you didn't hear that word. God is in the valley putting you back together. God doesn't put people together on mountaintops. God puts people together in valleys. God doesn't put people together at buffets, in luxury restaurants, and on yachts. God puts people back together in the depths of brokenness, in the depths of pain, in the depths of loneliness, in the depths of frustration. When you are in a valley, God is at work. He is like a studio engineer recording an album using your soul. And what he's doing is he's configuring everything together to make sure that when you come out the valley, the soundtrack of your life is a classic. Creating a classic. You say this is painful. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. A guy, God knew was a great running back. He's a beast. He was in practice. He ran a 4-2 beast. Ran a 4-2 was a beast. And he got hit, snapped his leg, clean in half. And he was angry. His adrenaline was running. He was frustrated. And he was like, man, I hate that this happened. And the doctor, he's like, doc, what's it? And doc, I know what you're going to ask. He said, he said, will you, will, I be, will you be able to run again? He said, you, you, the break you got is an interesting break. It's a good break, actually. He said, a good break? How can a break be good? He said it was a clean break. He says that because it was a clean break, when it heals, it will be reinforced with more bone to make it stronger in the exact place that it was broken in so that you can be able to run and get hit, and it will take more of a hard hit to break this place 
because it's been reinforced by a healing. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but God is reinforcing some places in your life right now because he wants to bring forth a stronger person out of the valley versus a weaker person. You thought the valley was making you weaker. I declare he's making you stronger. You thought it was breaking you down, but I declare it's building you up. You're going to be better. Better. Verse 7. He said, I prophesied as I had been commanded. He says, while I was prophesying, there was a rattling noise, some noise and some sounds. And he said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. Dry bones, he kept saying it over and over and over again. But you got to understand, the bones weren't doing anything at first. So he had to keep trusting in the word of the Lord while he was in the valley. He had to keep trusting that even though the dead thing didn't get moved again, he had to just keep on prophesying. How do I know that he kept, that it was happening? He said, while I was prophesying, he said, I heard some noise. Woo! I heard some noise. Don't get scared in that alley when you hear some noise. It's not the sound of somebody trying to rob you. It's the sound of things coming back together in your life again. As long as you stand on God's word, things are going to come back together again. Oh, I feel it this year. I feel it in 2023. You know I don't talk like this, but God has spoken to me. God's going to start making some noise and rattling in your life and bringing some stuff back together. But you got to keep, you got to keep on the word of the Lord. That's the key. And it says in verse 8, he said, I look. And while I was prophesying, tendons appeared on them. God doesn't need your resources to make stuff happen. Some of you been plowing, plowing, plowing. God win. God win. God says keep standing on my word. Keep standing in the valley in that place. And he says, Oh, yeah, I got one more prophecy for you. It says, it says, it says, he says to, to, to Ezekiel, tendons appeared. Flesh grew. Skin covered them, but there was no breath. But he didn't tell it to do anything until God told him to tell it to do something. He wasn't a false prophet. He was a true prophet. And God said, he says, he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Lord, you want me to talk to the wind? Talk to it. And then he says, I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. And all of a sudden it says <laughs> that right here, that come from the four winds and breathe into the slain and they came alive. He says, so I prophesied as he commanded and the breath entered them and they came to life and stood 
on their feet. Right now in your valley, God is going to have you do the same thing to the dead things in your life. And you're going to promise that. But what, what was, what was, what's interesting is that they didn't just stand up as changed people. God had purpose for what he was raising up. Ah. God said it was a vast army. In other words, when God brings it to life, it's not time to rest. It's time to fight. And in order to be an army, not only did God put them back together, they wasn't naked. The text said, how would he know they were an army? Because they had on war clothes. When God brings you up out of it, you're going to have to get ready and put on your war clothes. Because what you experienced in the valley was the boot camp for when you get on the main street. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. So what in the world does all of this have to do with Jesus? Everything. Everything. He said, this is the house of Israel. The house of Israel had a purpose. They had a great purpose. He's Exodus 19.6. Says that they were supposed to be priests to the nations. But they failed. Abraham failed. Moses didn't enter the promised land. David, for everybody, failed. Because of that, Jesus said, if you want something right, you got to do it yourself. My purpose in creating man is that man would be eternal. Now they've died because of sin. But I still have the goal of them being eternal. The only way to make them eternal is to resurrect them. The only way to resurrect them is for me to die. Because it's going to take my blood to actually transform them and recalibrate the entire universe. And so Jesus had to die. And the reason why he had to die is because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. In other words, all of these lambs and rams, the blood of goats never, ever took away sin. Their blood type wasn't quite right. But there was only one who had the perfect blood type. That could be the one to change things, to cause us to be raised from the dead. James Harrison was a man that ended up going into the hospital at 13 years old. And they took his blood and had to help him with some issues with his blood, but they found that his blood had a rare antigen in it. This rare antigen could be used in order to help babies who had a disorder to be healed of this disorder. So Mr. Harrison decided that when he turned 18 years old, that he was going to donate his blood. He donated his blood 1,000 times over his lifetime. And he was able to save 
2.4 billion people. Well, he's not the only one that has a rare blood type. Jesus is one who has a rare blood type. Jesus' blood is interesting. Mr. Harrison's blood, he made over a thousand donations. But Jesus only made one long donation on one Friday. Mr. Harrison gave a pint of blood, but Jesus gave all his blood on a dark hill called Calvary. He died till the sun turned dark. He died till the rain poured down. He died until lightning poured. He died until the curtain was torn. He died till the earth cracked. He died till the sins were forgiven. He died till death was satisfied. He died till the devil's works were destroyed. He died to restore all things. I love him a whole lot. You know why I love him? Because he's Adam's redeemer. He's Abel's vindicator. He's Abraham's sacrifice. He's Noah's ark. He's Moses' bush on fire. He's Joshua's battle axe. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samson's power. He's days of his music. He's Solomon's wisdom. He's Isaac's birds and coal. He's Jeremiah's bomb and Gilead. He's Ezekiel's will within the middle of a will. If I was a rapper, if I was a rapper, I'd say we bring the ruckus. When we lift the gift of salvation, it was he who gave through 42 generations of Logos invasion to planet Earth through virgin birth. The last Adam had come to reverse the works of the first. He became a curse to become a cure. The blood poured made sure that he who enters by the door should be eternally secured. What should I render? Surrender lives are due to him. The true vine is the one who reconciles unions. In the divine union of the altar, he's the altar of the altar. He's the he guides for all walks of life. He's the Lord of all culture. He's perfecter, resurrector. All life is his. Sin disconnector, eternal holder of the scepter of righteousness. Thunderous praise comes from his numberless fleet, the sovereign king. All things are placed under his feet. He uncreated, incarnated creator of all creation is to be celebrated in all occasions. Why is that? Because he's the glorious, victorious victor with the glorious victory, with all mystery. He's the chief cornerstoner, the atoner. And we present to the world the most generous blood donor. Rest in peace, Enoch. The most generous blood donor is the Lord Jesus Christ. Rest in peace, Enoch. Every head bow, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you. We love you.